What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Is Elon Musk stepping down from Twitter? The leadership seesaw he set in motion via tweet poll. Analyst and tech watcher Gene Munster. Over the last seven weeks, as he's been more engaged with Twitter, he's damaged Tesla's brand. And I think there is a benefit to Tesla by him stepping back from Twitter. China done with zero COVID. The global change is afoot with Michelle Caruso Cabrera, member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Two things were true for 30 years. China was going up and interest rates were going down. And those two things are reversing before our eyes and the repercussions are just gonna be astounding to watch. And the tightrope the U.S. economy is walking, better than expected economic data, but a hawkish Federal Reserve committed to raising rates. Mohamed Alarian joins us. The Fed is in the midst of a three-part policy mistake that's going to go down the history books. It's Monday, December 19th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. China has ended its zero COVID policy following unprecedented protests, but now it's facing an uphill economic recovery amid a surge in infections. For more on this, we want to bring in Michelle Caruso Cabrera, who is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and a CNBC contributor. And Michelle, let's just talk through, I mean, The numbers are not to be believed, I think, at this point out of China. They say two deaths they've had from COVID since December 7th when they released um, some of the COVID restrictions. Literally not to be believed. Not saying, these are not to be believed. They're so good. Yeah, they're literally just not to be believed. Of hospitals and and bodies and other things. It looks like spring of 2020 here in New York. So we've arrived that darned if you do, darned if you don't moment in China that we all talked about, right? Like they've got to end the zero COVID policy. The protesters made clear they needed to end the zero COVID policy, but everybody knew and, and predicted that when that happened, because the population is undervaccinated compared to, say, the United States, that they were going to have issues like this and the vaccine that they have isn't as effective. So they were going to have to go through a period where, just like we saw when we had pork producers shutting down because everybody in the factory was sick, right? That's what we're seeing happening right now. What I thought was interesting was despite this, they still had their major big annual economic meeting on Friday and Saturday. There had been reports that they were going to cancel it. I I see you kind of like shrugging and rolling your eyes. I know, exactly. But I think it demonstrates that they are very committed to trying to turn around the economy because they see how much damage has been done. Is, is Omicron really a like a cold over there? It was a cold over here because we were all vaccinated. Or is the Omicron strain much less virulent than original COVID? So important question. The only data that we can really point to is if you look at what happened in Hong Kong earlier in the year, 
where they also have issues with the vaccination rates among the elderly. And, and just, just herd immunity rate. No one's got herd yeah, immunity exactly. either. No vaccine, and right. no, so no immunity. The, the mortality rates were much, much higher in Hong Kong earlier this year than almost any other time anywhere else in the world during the pandemic. So there is absolutely these numbers about how many people that have died, supposedly, even though you can read all the reporting coming out of there, the number of urns being ordered certainly suggests that people are dying to a, 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 a higher degree than the, the government I is was willing reading, to admit. I was reading one um, bit of research that was suggesting that it's now doubling, not every day, but in a matter of hours, not even on a daily basis. And that gets really hard to try and keep I mean, up it's, with. Here. It's gruesome. They, can't you like follow cremation? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you can see where there's sunlight, not, I don't know. It's just so gruesome to even talk about it, but there will be, there are ways of looking at that, this even if they just lie through their teeth about what's happening. Oh yeah, they can, they can suppress all that information, but the population itself will see what's happening right. and know that within need, their circle that there, there, there are people uh, who are not, you know, who can't go to work, who are ill, who are dying. I the mean, numbers are, are staggeringly scary if you do assume any of the, assume the lowest mortality rate that we saw the first time through this thing and then apply that to the that kind of population yeah. you have in China. Yeah, when you, when you talk into, about gruesome, I mean, remember here in New York City, we were, we were running out of capacity for right. uh, funeral homes, etc. I mean, it was hospital services. Yeah, yeah. No, this was, remember, this was the, what do they do? But I don't understand. Why didn't they? You had Stefan Bensel, who was on with us last week, was it, who said that they've been talking to them about bringing some mRNA vaccines over. The White House has said that they would have given them some of the vaccines if they just asked for it. Why not prepare your population Because they do everything better. better, and they don't need our stinking vaccines. This is the great, great mystery. I have spoken with several people who have, are very connected to the degree that any American can be with the leadership of China and asked this very question. Why won't they take the mRNA? And they shrug, they put up their hands, they say, we have no idea, why not? I understand the respect for the elderly in the Chinese culture, I get that. I understand why that would lead to some of these COVID lockdowns for a longer period of time. But in the meantime, if that was really what this was about, you would have done something to protect that population and bring them something to make sure that they'd be okay eventually. You know, this is one of the, the criticisms. Um, if, I think if we all look back, the whole world looks back uh, at the way we handled COVID, we decided that we were going to try to protect everyone. Yeah. And in retrospect, we should have focused very much on the elderly. And, and the immunocompromised. And the immunocompromised, right. exactly. Uh, and what is a shame is that China could leapfrog that, right? Okay, we've got two learned. years of evidence. Right, they could have and, learned. And do that, and that's still not what's happening. Okay, so is the reason that they are releasing this at this point because of the protest, or is it because the economy was suffering so greatly? Oh, I, 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 think, I think it's a combination yeah. of both. What, what is, uh, what, the one headline I would say out of this economic meeting, which, you know, these economic meetings are silly, right? They're, they're good old-fashioned state planning as if, you know, they can, you know, direct capital to where it should go, and that's going to be, I you know, you an immediate solve. Now. Um, <laughs> however, they have reiterated repeatedly after this meeting that they are going to try to stimulate the consumer rather than having an investment-led economy, having a consumer-led economy. That would be extremely significant. You know, our economy is 80% driven by consumers. Theirs is only 54% driven by consumers. 
they just shifted 1% of all the money that they subsidized to all of these businesses that may or may not make it, mm. they, would, they would actually have a much more effect. And, and economists have been banging the table about this. Maybe they're- They do they're brag that they've been vaccinating a lot more elderly people. Mm -hmm. With what, that, that vaccine, I mean, does it work at all with 50%? It doesn't, it doesn't work as well. 50%, I mean, 45, yeah. 50%. Yeah. And, right, but they're, they are handing a lot of those out? They're, yeah, they did do a much no, a great number, greater number of vaccines. It's just you just power through my comments. One. You just right. You just, I, 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 you I worked just, with you just, for twenty years. Yeah, I've always long, described you as than, the older teasing brother. I never yeah, had. Right. <laughs> never once. Got to shake it off, baby. <laughs> same age teasing brothers. No, we're not. Though. You're right. Uh, I'd like to pretend uh, that. Though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but you just powered right through it. I yeah, guess, like, and, and don't forget once they get through, once they get through COVID, the, the hurdles for them are enormous, including. The United States is not backing down when it comes to deterrence, when it comes to right. trying to freeze their technological advance to make sure that it's much more difficult for them to go to war. I mean, they, they face a lot. Um, the Chinese economy that, dare I say, we all grew up with, you yeah. know, 8% a year, 11% a year, 5% a year we were talking about, those days are over. Could they you ever know? go into a recession? Oh, I think so. I think for a lot of, yeah, absolutely they can go into a recession into a recession. There's two things happening in the world. Don't forget this right now, mm -hmm. right? This is why being at CNBC right now, I think is just so interesting. Two things were true for 30 years. China was going up and interest rates were going down. <laughs> and those two things are reversing before our eyes and the repercussions are just gonna be astounding to watch. It's gonna be painful, mm -hmm. but you know, this is a whole new interest rate regime. Uh, interest rate cycles mm -hmm. are long. Yeah. So same mother brother and sister or you got the younger mother later that uh, i mean are we have the are we that close older brother but same mother or did you come from the second mother that was much younger that my, my mother was super young and she had me at 20. so you're that's okay yeah no but no i'm saying with with us as if, so we're only half i have a brother who's almost 14 years younger 14 years younger. Same, okay same so that's possible. Yeah. so then we don't need a different yeah. uh, we can have the same <laughs> we can have the same yeah, absolutely okay yeah. All right. I yeah, thought yeah, you were yeah, saying like the second, no. the Alec Baldwin uh, second, you know, family. Uh, you've lost me, but no, we could have the same mother. Yes. <laughs> he had a bunch of kids with the first one, you know, had kids with the first one, and then right, all of a sudden right, he gets right, the second right. one. No, so that the brother and sister are 30 years apart. If we're 30 years apart, we're not 30 years apart. No, we're not. So no. it could be the same. I mean, mother. I may look 30 years younger than you, right? <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, special guest Tom Farley, former New York Stock Exchange president, joins Joe and Becky. And market watcher Mohamed El Arian on the economy's big question, are we headed into a recession? The sad thing is we didn't need to be here, but now that we're here, we have this big uncertainty and we're going to continue talking about the Fed when really the Fed should have stepped back now and let fundamentals determine where this market is going. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From their innovative practice facility 
to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ Market Site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kerner along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is off today somewhere cold. Uh, colder than here. <laughs> on purpose. Uh, yeah, on purpose. No one likes to be docked, but that's a big, that's a wide range of cold places. possible. Yeah. <laughs> there may be some mountains around, um, maybe some snow. Right now, we want to welcome a special guest to the set to talk markets and much more, former NYSE President Tom Farley. He is the chairman and CEO of Far Peak. He's going to be with us for the rest of the show. And Tom, welcome. Um, Thanks, Becky. Good, good to see you. Good holiday spirit. I like the jacket. Merry Christmas. I thought twice about this because I knew I'd catch some grief from, from Joe. Is that the best thing about leaving the big board? You could never show up at, at, a, Not a, chance. at a real office Not a wearing chance. that. I would have lost my job immediately. I mean, people would be like, what are you trying to do? I mean... I ask you, you obviously are a big uh, game couch hunter. You, and you went out, you, you bagged a big couch, shot it, and, and uh, took the fur off it. As right? I said, I thought twice, maybe I should have thought a third time. You did bring no, another jacket. I brought another jacket If, you, this if morning, we give you I enough, if I got cold feet. You like it, Mohammed? <laughs> yeah. I like it on him. How about that? <laughs> I may change jackets at the commercial no, break. No, don't. Leave it. I like it. It's good. It's I good have an Aflac here. jacket, the Dion, uh, uh, the Alabama. Oh, yeah, you put that I, on. I'll, I can go put that on and probably look better. No, 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 no I like no, it. No, I'm no. kidding. I love you. And you're so good looking anyway. Does it really? Thank you, I mean, it, Thank I would you. like you to be less good looking. Mohammed's here. Is That's this right. you? Mohammed al Arian is also here, Allianz advisor and president of Queens College, Cambridge. Mohammed, it's great to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you're here because we've got some crazy stuff to talk about. Let's jump right into what's happening with expectations from the market about what's happening, with the, whether the Fed's going to really go through with this or not. It seems like a lot of people think they're not. And we've been talking all morning long about how pros are taking money out of the market. They've got more in cash than they've had in a long time, while average investors are keeping money in. Where, where's the smart money? What, what are you thinking? So 18 months plus into this inflation episode, we shouldn't be where we are now. We shouldn't have a situation where the markets are in one place and the Fed is in another place, and that's where they are. The Fed thinks we're going to 5.1% and staying there for a while. The market thinks we're going to come down and we're going to be at about under 4.5%. What do you think? I think the market is probably right. I think the Fed risks overdoing it. I understand why, because they fell so far behind. And because people are worried that the Fed will overdo it, they're pulling money out because they're worried about what's going to happen to the economy and earnings. I mean, the sad thing is we didn't need to be here. But now that we're here, we have this big uncertainty and we're going to continue talking about the Fed when really the Fed should have stepped back now and let fundamentals determine what, where this market is going. Look, inflation's really strong still, even though CPI was a little weaker than expected. You're talking north of 7%. That's a big number. You, you think it would be taken care of by what the Fed has already done because it's done so much damage to the economy that that will deal with the inflation? So there's two issues. One is headline inflation is going to continue to come down and we should really be talking about core inflation. The FD had an article today that shows for over half the advanced economies, core inflation is still going up. So core inflation is a problem. 
The second thing we should be talking about is what happens in the middle of next year when inflation gets sticky at about 4%. Did you notice that the minute someone suggested to the Fed chair, are you, will you be changing inflation target? He said, no way, I will never do that. Like However, there's a real discussion to be had where you picking an inflation target today, would you pick 2%? I'm not clear you would pick 2%. Mohammed, you said we shouldn't be here. You sh we shouldn't be at the point we're at today. What do you mean by that? Has the Fed screwed something up over the last 18 months? Oh, the Fed is in the midst of a three-part policy mistake that's going to go down in the history books. Number one was mischaracterizing inflation as transitory all the way till the end of November when there was enough evidence to keep an open mind. Number two is once they retired, remember that word, retired transitory from their vocabulary, they didn't move with any determination. So we had this ridiculous situation in the middle of March. We printed a 7% plus inflation print and they were still injecting liquidity. And now number three, which is they may go too far and may push us into an unnecessary recession. What, as you've watched this, Tom, I mean, you know, you used to talk to the greatest companies in America all the time. Is, is this a way, any way to run an economy? I mean, do, do you think inflation can be so bad that you should accept a maybe a brief recession to break the back of that? Or, or I, I just wish there was a better way, supply side, a way to increase, keep rates low, you know, get, take care of the labor problem by making it easier for companies to start up and entrepreneurs to do well. You don't do that by raising rates, do you? I, I'm not as harsh as Muhammad, Muhammad is on what the Fed has done over the last 18 months because it was a very difficult situation. They had no choice, certainly, over the last six months to keep raising rates to the point where the economy cools dramatically. Uh, every CEO I talk to right now, every, I was thinking about this on the way up, every single one is thinking about layoffs, cutting hiring, or dramatically reducing investing. All, all that's bad. So I think all the bad. Fed, I agree with Mohammed, is behind the curve. The, you know, when you hear, oh, the, the, the labor market is cooling. No, no, it's, 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 go, it's going ice cold. So now is the time to can act imagine, as opposed to six months from can now. Can you imagine trying your best to orchestrate those outcomes? That's, that's, that's unfortunate, isn't it? You just said horrible things, layoffs, not investing, all this. So the, this was their stated goal at this point. Was it, did it really come to that, Mohammed? I guess you think it did come to that. It has, to, it has come to that and it didn't need to. Tom, let me ask you, what are they telling you about how much they're gonna pay the workers they're gonna keep? Really, really interesting. Uh, you're, in Europe, you have to increase pay because inflation is so high. In the U.S., there's a haves and have-nots. It's performance-based. Oh, you're doing a good job. I'm going to give you an inflation adjustment. Uh, on Wall Street, you're going to get zero in terms of your annual bonus if you're not a top 50% producer, 70, 75% producer. So, so put, put in the U.S., it's more haves and have-nots. In Europe, there's just this broad, hey, we have to increase pay. So put Wall Street aside a minute. A big question is, will the U.S. have the same industrial action that we're starting to see in Europe? Will the workers who have jobs try to protect their real wages better than they have so far? That, that's a really important question going forward. Do you think we will have industrial action? Or no, no question. It's already happening. I mean, it's real. Inflation's real. People are going to the grocery store and they're... Fortunately, the pump has come down, but still inflated over where we were a couple of years ago. And they're turning around and they're saying to their, you know, they're saying to their C-suite, we need, we need more dough. 
Mohammed, when you look at the economic outlook for 2023, um, China reopening has been a huge play. People say that oil prices are going to surge when and if China gets back on its feet. Um, we were talking earlier this morning about how COVID is going to be a real issue there, that, that you're not getting accurate reports of the deaths or the cases right now. So how, how do you as economists kind of look out and think, here's what we can anticipate, here's when China will pick up back up, here's when that will add additional pressure to energy prices? So you, have, you had a great discussion with Michelle today. And, and the bottom line for me is that they're not yet in a place where they can resolve, re reconcile lives and livelihoods. So it wouldn't surprise me if China shuts down again. I think the numbers massively understate what's going on. There are reports that people don't want to go into the street, they're so scared. So that has an economic impact. I think if you step back, um, the one thing we have to deal with is the three major parts of the global economy are all slowing for their own reasons. So we are in a policy-induced slowdown. <laughs> Europe is in a supply-side-induced slowdown. China is in a COVID-induced slowdown. So you have three major economies all slowing down, and that's why people are worried about earnings. Mohammed, over the years, we've argued a lot uh, back and forth about fiscal spending, and I, you know, I don't want to do anything, uh, obviously. I think the government gets involved, and you know, 90 cents goes through the cracks. You've always talked about how you kind of like targeted spending, and there, there can be a role uh, for tax and spend. The Fed enabled Congress to do a lot of things. Is there anything you wouldn't have done over the past 18 months? Do you think any of that spending contributed to, to too many dollars chasing too few goods? The Inflation Acceleration Act? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I mean, you like all that stuff. Now you're, you're hammering the Fed for waiting too long. But, I mean, they enabled this. So let's go to fiscal policy. I think that was too much money spent on consumption handouts to people. Which, what would you not have done? I wouldn't have done as many handouts. I would have been much more targeted. You would have done chips. I would have been much more targeted in general. Even in chips. IRA much more uh, targeted? So, so I, I think the example of my oldest daughter, she was working. She got two checks in the mail. Did she really need two checks in the mail? She didn't, right? But we, we just overdid it in terms of support. Had we been much more focused, and then yeah. the investment side is what got sacrificed. That's yeah. the sadness. Okay, there's you, just, you described something interesting that, that, like, there is global inflation. So people say, we didn't do this, Biden didn't do this, there's global inflation. But you've, you attribute it in different parts of the world, inflation was caused, but you say it was policy mistakes here. In other parts of the world, it was not so, energy in Europe and COVID in China. Part one of the inflation shock, food and energy, was exogenous. Okay. Part two, when it spread to goods, was probably exogenous, but we could have done something. But it's the third element now. It has spread to the service industry. It has spread to wages. And that is less sensitive from an interest rate perspective, which means the Fed has to crush the goods sector in order to get to the service sector. So letting inflation evolve, and it's the mistake that got made in the 70s and 80s, letting inflation evolve all the way to wages, all the way to the service sector, yes, that was a policy mistake. Do you have anything more to say? How much was that jacket in talking about inflation? I mean, that, I do like it. It's very, very cool. It is. And, and you could wear... I'm sure I got it on sale. It was like 10 years ago, so... Really? That's, that's not a brand? Because no. the lapels are... No. And you, you haven't changed in shape no, for 10 no, years. That's impressive. Yeah. No. Well, no. Are you surprised? I mean, look yeah. at him. I mean, I he cares about how he... Look at those eyes. I mean... Can we, can we roll? Can we wrap? Coming up. Uh, <laughs> Bye, Mohammed. Thank you.
Coming up on Squawk Pod, Elon Musk's crowdsourced leadership. Will he abide by his own polls results and step down as head of Twitter? Tech analyst Gene Munster says Tesla investors sure hope so. Despite all of Elon's flaws, investors just want him to be more involved with Tesla. He just has this magnetic personality, debatable, but uh, Tesla investors believe that. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today, but spending the morning with us is Tom Farley. He is the chairman and CEO of Farpeak. We've got some breaking news for you this morning. That Twitter poll that was initiated by Elon Musk asking followers whether he should step down as the head of the company has ended with the majority saying yes, he should. About 17.5 million votes were cast in the 12-hour poll. 57.5% of the voters wanted Musk to leave. 42.5% wanted him to stay. Musk said that he would abide by the results of the poll, but he hasn't tweeted since it ended about 45 minutes ago. Of course, it's about 4 in the morning in California, if that's where he is. He was around the globe yesterday, maybe traveling right now, too. He told the Delaware court last month that he would eventually find a new leader for Twitter, Though last night he tweeted, no one wants the job who can actually keep Twitter alive. There is no successor. On this news, we're keeping a pretty close eye on shares of Tesla because Tesla shareholders love this news. The stock is up by about 4.1%. There had always been questions about how much mind share he could use and spend on each of these companies. Tesla and SpaceX taking up a big part of it. Ron Barron, a, a long-term Tesla shareholder, has talked about how Elon's really a key man, and that is probably the biggest concern he would have about the stock is if he wasn't there. And all of this news follows a Twitter policy update on Sunday. The platform says that it will not allow accounts created for the sole purpose of promoting other social media firms and content that contains links or usernames for rival platforms. This is really what created a huge amount of outrage. Mr. Beast, one of the social media influencers who's got 16.6 million followers, uh, a lot of kids who follow him, um, said this is kind of garbage because they send their viewers regular, they send their subscribers regularly to other places to see their content. And so when you lose some of the big social media um, icons and, and, and yeah. people who are doing those things, that was a huge question. Well, the Twitter poll, we, we may not get a true answer until all the mail-in uh, ballots. And they have until <laughs> uh, three weeks from today uh, to trickle in to see what the final results would actually be. Because we can't vote you know, in a single day. It's just impossible to do. Do we know the House yet? We don't. We're pretty sure the House, the, the makeup of the House. We've got three or four races left, but uh, not to be concerned. We are joined on the Squawk Newsline by Gene Munster, Loop Managing Partner. And uh, Gene, what do you think? Let's just talk about this from the perspective of the public company here. That would be Tesla. Is this good news for Tesla shareholders? Absolutely. It's a positive for Tesla because despite all of Elon's flaws, investors just want him to be more involved with Tesla. He just has this magnetic uh, personality, debatable, but uh, Tesla investors believe that. 
Uh, so having his more of his time applied to Tesla, I think, uh, helps uh, with just the multiple around Tesla. And second, there's this added benefit of him distancing himself from Twitter. Uh, it should improve Tesla's brand. I believe over the last uh, seven weeks, as he's been more engaged with Twitter, he's damaged uh, Tesla's brand. He's become more political. And I think there is a benefit to Tesla by him uh, stepping back from Twitter. So uh, I think uh, this is a big deal for Tesla investors, and I think they should feel good about, um, which I, I believe will be him following what he said and uh, resigning as CEO of Twitter. Vox Populi, Vox Day. That is what he tweeted recently on another uh, Twitter poll that he posted out there. The voice of the people is the voice of God. Do you think he actually goes through with it on this one? I do. I think uh, there's just a lot at stake because uh, underneath this is his first principle approach of doing things different. It's obviously unorthodox for a CEO to put his job up for vote, and I think Elon just enjoys doing that. And so I think he has uh, been pushing for power for the people, and uh, that's been just one of his kind of brand angles. And so I think he will follow up on it. I think if he doesn't, it would be uh, a black eye. And one of the other reasons why I think he'll follow up on it is there is a laundry list of reasons why he doesn't want to be CEO of Twitter. Uh, he didn't want the job. He didn't want the company originally. Uh, he said in court testimony he wants to back off from his time at Twitter. And his, his true superpowers are solving technical problems. Uh, not ambiguous uh, content monitoring problems. And so ultimately I think that uh, what he's uh, doing here is just better aligning what he's really good at. And so I think he will honor these results because I think he wanted to, wanted to quit. Just last night he also tweeted, though, that the reason he can't step down as CEO is because there's nobody else who can keep Twitter afloat right now. What, what does he do? Who, who would he find? And is it going to be somebody who's basically just acting on his behalf? He does own the company. That was, yeah, that was probably um, outside of the whole entertainment factor of what's going on with this. That piece uh, probably jumped out to me the most. And I think he's leaving. Uh, this might sound uh, out of touch here, but I think he's leaving a window open for him to fire sale the company. And, um, I, you know, you think about why, would, why on earth would anybody do that? And let's uh, just quickly run through the math on this. If he does uh, say there's no... Uh, successes that the company just simply can't be fixed, there's probably still some value with it. Let's just arbitrarily say it's, it's like $15 billion. And uh, that would be a $30 billion loss for him. I'd still leave him with more than $100 billion in, in assets, and I think that he would get a nice tax loss with that $30 billion. Remember, he's got a lot of Tesla stock that is still going to be heavily taxed when he exercises it. He has uh, $30 billion in SpaceX. It's also going to have huge gains that will be taxed. And so when you look at it from his uh, side, uh, you know, that is something that, as I put a guess, it's 20% probability that he just uh, is, is starting to lay the groundwork for just shutting it down. Don't think it's a high probability, but wow. it's definitely on the table. Uh, yeah, Gene, we, we got to run, but that, I mean, that is hard to get your head around the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to eat a $30 billion loss, $15 billion. Who would he sell it to? Don't know. Uh, I don't know why you have that comment either, uh, saying there's no successor. And so I just want to uh, recognize that there's other things going on in his mind and low probability, but it's something that should be considered. Wow. Gene, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Do you remember uh, WKRP? People are writing in. Is, is that a Herb Tarlick? Uh, that's a, I've seen that's a, couple of, a couple That was of my inspiration, yeah. yeah. You're going to be a yeah. sports guy, you think? Yeah. I got, I got a tweet that said, Joe seems a little jealous of your jacket. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't wear any jacket, but if I were going to wear one, uh, it wouldn't be that one. No, no, I might. No, I like, I like, I like, it looks good. It looks good. I envy a lot of things about you far. Like, what are you, 6'4 or something, too? And With the afro, yeah. What I don't envy is that crappy SPAC. What did you, you're going to shut down your SPAC? It, I, yeah, we don't refer to it as the crappy SPAC. <laughs> Are are you gonna shut it down? It's done. I, I, so uh, I have a spac. I've done a couple spacs, as you know. The, yeah. the most recent is is Far Peak. We're approaching the termination date of the deal that we agreed in July of 2021. Is this news? The uh, I'm expressing facts that are that are knowable if that you're on known. the SEC. If you're on the SEC uh, website, December 31st, 20, uh, 2022. In other words, two weeks from now that deal terminates if we haven't otherwise closed the deal. And we've been, we've been up in front of the SEC now and for is, yeah. a year and a half. And, you know, crypto is not a real sympathetic uh, cause in the SEC. Tom Farley, want to thank you for sitting in with us this morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. holidays. Great to see Happy you Hanukkah, all. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yeah. That's coming. It is. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan. Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Hope he's enjoying his time off. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 